Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where three friends come together to talk about the stories behind the matches. I'm Matt. I'm the fake plastic guitar of one Wayne Ferris. And I've been banned from Disney World because there's no goofy wrestling in ECW. (laughs) Welcome to episode 142, ECW Hardcore TV from January 31st, 1995. 95, uh, baby. Yeah, welcome welcome to 95. That's not true. I think we did a New Japan Super Show already. We've done a couple episodes yeah. already in 95. Yeah, some yeah. stuff. We're packing them in in this, this January. Uh, that's right. So this was the 93rd episode of Hardcore TV, produced by ECW. Like I said, it would take place actually on January 16th, 1995, from the National Guard Armory in Orlando, Florida. Mm-hmm. With an attendance of 427 people. Orlando. <laughs> but it would air on January 31st on TV. Fuck yeah. I mean, you know, they're, they're not paper in the crowd. They definitely do not do that. <laughs> I mean, is WCW on, on like Universal Studios or Disney yet? Yes. And so, yeah, like those are just... Free, free tickets to people at the park. Yes. It's like a yeah. thing to do. Come is, watch a show. Which is always weird. Like, I get it because there's people in the building and you have you save money because you're not moving from place to place. But it's always weird because half of them aren't, there's not, they're not a whole lot of wrestling fans there. It's a lot of little kids, a lot of people that are just there to like have a beer and do something. Get off their feet for a couple minutes. Yeah. yeah. It's all, yeah, it's always a weird a weird vibe. But here, you know, 400 ECW fans. They're there probably a, a better, specific show. Yeah, probably a better <coughs> a better all-around vibe. But we're in Orlando. Yeah, we are. So that means that Shane didn't have to worry about Philadelphia this week. No. This week was uh, a little easier. Did my, my little deep dive on what do people like in Orlando. And I found out that they like strawberry shortcake. Strawberries are a, a big crop from Florida, and they have this big festival. And yeah, one of the uh, the sweet treats of Florida is a nice little strawberry shortcake, typically done with you know a biscuit, some cream, some strawberries that have been you know macerated. Sweet, crispy, delicious. Uh, but you can do any kind of variety on it. You know, some sort of cakey spongy item yeah i always did angel food berries we had one at cheevers that had a lemon curd that's actually what i was trying to go for for this one but i couldn't find a lemon curd so i went with a little snack pack of vanilla pudding i've never seen lemon curd you can get in like i think uh like the the, a a tiny dark jar for eight dollars in like the the top level of your jelly section or whatever where it's like expensive but uh my target wasn't fully stocked on their shelves at the moment so Um, and you can make it but you know yeah this one specifically uh i was telling matt i had ordered brunch this afternoon and had it delivered and they brought me pancakes and there was no butter or syrup so i couldn't eat my pancakes and then i thought huh 
I was going to get stuff to make strawberry shortcake, and now I have this that I can use for my what would be biscuit, you know, the cakey part of the shortcake. So, yeah, yeah um, we use some, stellar uh, idea. Use some sunny side up diner pancakes that already have kind of a vanilla wafer type taste to them. Yes, they're pancakes. I love uh, bean flavoring. Oh, yeah. And here's some of the best pancakes. Yep. I mean, it was good. I had a lot of other stuff on there, so I'll have to try those out. Uh, yeah, I put uh, the pancakes. A la carte. A little bit of the uh, little snack pack vanilla pudding, some strawberries that I couldn't find a lemon, so I got a lime, put some lime zest, squeeze some of the lime juice in there, and then I looked up on top of the fridge and remembered that there was some Grand Marnier in there from one of the drinks that we had a while back, so oh. put some Grand Marnier in there and let them sit in the fridge and macerate for a while, and yeah, layered them up. Some whipped cream, a little more lime zest, and... This was very freaking delicious. delicious. Yeah, to be honest, the <laughs> like the just vanilla snack pack is a great idea to add to a strawberry shortcake, right? and I will be remembering it next time. <laughs> yeah, next uh, J- July or whenever, you know, <laughs> because we're, we're you know, um, like it'll hold look the behind the curtain. In place. We're it, working into the fall. It adds as a, a moist maker, for sure. This one was a hit. Yeah, maybe that instead of the whipped cream, a little more, a little more dense. No, I did put a pinch of salt in there. I think I put too much salt because I can taste the salt, but oh, it's still fucking good. I didn't notice it. I think you did a bang-up job. Well, thank you. Well, something that happened right around the same time as this hardcore TV, Star Trek Voyager would premiere a couple weeks earlier with the first female captain as a lead character in Catherine Janeway. Ooh. So Voyager is, is Deep Space Nine before, or do they run concurrently? Deep Space Nine is like in season four-ish, I think, when at this it point. Oh, okay. When this starts. Mm-hmm. But they do run concurrent for a little while. So, like, this is the first one that's, like, because Deep Space Nine, they're normally like a, each episode's kind of a bottle episode yeah. in Star Trek. But Deep Space Nine's the first one that does the, like, continuation storytelling. So this is the, our I first Deep more Space tri- Nine does it, like... Once it kind of gets into it, oh, starts okay. so it start building building upon itself. I have a lot of Star Trek f- friends, and I like Star Trek, but I've never deep-dived on any of the shows outside of the original series, because it's just really long. It's just a lot to commit to. There is a lot of episodes. Yeah. And the first season of uh, Next Generation is kind of hard to get through, because it's not that great. And then season no, two, not. it really kicks off. So one day I'll get to it, but a few years ago I tried to watch it and I got to the pilot episode and I was like, oh, this isn't very good. Yeah, I can't. I've, I've never been able to get into Star Trek. You know, I've watched some of the movies. I watched... You watched The Wells. It's a good one. The what? Where they saved the wells. Is that Undiscovered Country? I don't know. Oh, it's a good... They're, the I movies... the remake. Four. Yeah, I th- like one through four are yeah. good. Five, wow. I think, is... One, one is... I like one, but I understand people's nah. feeling where it's like, oh, this isn't quite Star Trek, and it's like, oh, no, it's a little too, like, a little I mean, too... 17-minute sequence of just going around the ship. I get why people are like, oh, yeah. my God. And you understand, yeah. knowing me, why I'm like, yes, give me 17 minutes of the ship, because it's a little bit like do, trying to do, like, a 2001 thing, and yeah. it's like, well... That's not what Star yeah, Trek I'm, is. I'm more a fan of the Chris Pine version of Star oh, Trek. Oh, really? <laughs> no one's going to uh, do that. Wrath of Khan. The, so uh, 
as far as the the first female captain, I don't. I never watched Voyager, but I do love her in uh, Orange Is the New Black because oh, she's she awesome really? on there. I mean, I her she's red. Yeah, I know. I know that face. I remember Voyager commercials and stuff. But as far she as was a love she's actually for coming, she's actually coming back in cartoon form oh. on Paramount. They're doing a Jane, Janeway animated series. You got like three oh, wow. like Star Trek animated series. Yeah, they're it's crazy. They're Paramount's getting their money's worth out of Star Trek right now. Doing all kinds of things. Getting their money's worth out of the challenge, too. They got another challenge all-stars coming. My friend Tina's coming back. <laughs> I'm excited. Nice. Content, content, content. Like, I have literally never watched Voyager either. I haven't got to it yet, basically, because I have been watching Star Trek. I started with the original series, watched it, watched the animated series. I've watched all of Next Generation. I'm into, like, the second or third season of... Deep Space Nine, I've yeah. So I've been watching them just like oh. slowly but surely. Yeah, yeah. That's the difference between me and you. I won't watch anything, and then I'll watch all of it really quickly. Whereas Matt's got some control. He'll be like, "Oh, I've been watching Next Generation one episode a week for five years." Oh, I can't. And like you're, yeah, it's like <laughs> like you have uh, you like are. If I can't do a such a disciplined like a day man. and a half. Why am I even watching this? <laughs> I can't. I can't. Uh, you can't binge. Yeah. I can't binge. Yeah. Like, That's I a good watch, thing. Honestly. I can watch like. Maybe two, yeah. three episodes or something at a time, but more than that, I'm just like I'm. Uh, I need to watch something different. Uh, yeah, I think that that's um, a good thing, and yeah, um, I mean, and it's because good. we don't have attention spans anymore, and um, but, and when we do, we go all in on a thing. And Matt is watching television the way it should be watched. When you watch which the, is uh, one new episode a week. First seven seasons of Game of Thrones and Game of Thrones in less than seven days. When you watch 14 seasons of Supernatural in less than 12 days, you may have think, a problem. I it sounds the, like a problem. <laughs> the last show I think that I like binge binged was when I was catching up on How I Met Your Mother. Because like, I had a week off at Christmas time. Like, yeah. It was like two and a half seasons in, I think. And you can also and do I, like 20 minutes I at a time. I literally binged the two and a half seasons to get caught up. And then I watched it weekly from that point forward. Yeah. I did that with Game of Thrones, yeah. I watched the first seven seasons in a full week, or less than a week, because the final season was getting ready to start. (laughs) You're like, I want to join in now. And I'd never watched it, but I didn't want it to be spoiled, because everybody was freaking out that it was the final season. So I was like, alright, I'll get caught up on it. I mean, it was easy, but... See, the key to not being spoiled is just not care... Because I still haven't watched the last season of Game of Thrones, and I don't remember what anyone was talking about. <laughs> I've never watched an episode. Well, when you do, I'll be laughing once you're saying the same things that some of us were saying a couple years I'm ago. Sure, <laughs> I'm sure, I will. Yeah, that was an annoying time when that was that show was all the hit, and everybody just wanted to talk about it all the time. And you're around, and you're like, can I mean, just I talk about the, anything else because I, I have nothing to add here. I was the lost water cooler guy. Yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> It's just like, ah, I'm just, yeah, I, at that point I wasn't ready to engage, and uh, that's kind of where I've stood. But enough of this TV business, we've got some uh, hardcore to get to. Hardcore. Last week on ECW, and Joey Styles says Tully Blanchard will no longer be wrestling, and proceeds to talk about how the Four Horsemen meant everything to him as he was growing up. But I guess Tully didn't realize that here in 1995, he had to fight. 
And we see highlights of a match between Shane Douglas and Ron Simmons, where the franchise yanks Ron's arm across the top rope, which brings out Scorpio to help a hurt Simmons. And the ref calls for the bell, saying that Ron cannot continue. Damn. Much to the crowd's chagrin, they were not happy about that finish. Shane then cuts a promo in the ring, making a challenge to anyone who would step into the ring as trash starts being thrown into it. Music hits, and it's Tully Blanchard to brawl with Douglas before hitting a slingshot suplex until Benoit and Dean Malenko would hit the ring to take out Blanchard. Joey then goes over what segments need to be done for the show when the crowd starts throwing chairs into the ring after the show is over. Yeah, and then there's like, there's a guy that's about to throw one and one cop grabs him by the shoulder and he's like... No, and the guys are like, okay, okay, and he drops it and walks yeah, off. Yeah, I saw that, and I like... <laughs> I laughed about that. Like, what the fuck? <sighs> They've already thrown 600 chairs, or sorry, 426 chairs in there. They saw Why it on... One more. <laughs> they, they, they saw it on TV, you know, a couple months previous, and, you know, it's a, it's a rowdy bunch, these ECW folks. And the intro hits with highlights before the logo. And then Joey Styles welcomes us to the show saying they've been banned from Disney World because there's no goofy wrestling in ECW. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was a great I, that was a great line. Yeah, Joey is only really gets better over time, <laughs> and he started off pretty great. Exactly. He previews the matches that are going to be on the show before sending it to Douglas poolside at his hotel. And he proceeds to go on about... That Blanchard has the guts to attack me from behind after my match with Simmons. So Tully's got my attention now. Franchise goes on about how Blanchard used to do drugs and drink, even while telling everyone not to do it. That Tully is a two-faced man. Two-faced Tully. Shane then says that he, Malenko, and Benoit are the triple threat. What a good what what a three great guys to be a team, and right. what a great name for it. I had no idea that the three of them ever did a ever thing really like that. linked up. Yeah. yeah. I'm excited for it. This is when Shane Douglas gets <laughs> really fun. And the thing is, is, the reason they called themselves the triple threat, did, did you guys figure it out? I just figured it was because there was three of them. So it's got to be more than that, I guess. Well, who's he always yelling about? The Four Horsemen. So his group... The triple threat. Doesn't need as many as them. Nah. We don't. We don't need a floater. There's always a floater in uh, in the Four Horsemen. Your uh, your your Ole Anderson, your Lex Luger, Blanchard was not. Or, no, your, yeah, your Wyndham did ponytail. Got Lex injured. Luger? No, got injured in unfortunately. T, did Magnum TA ever do oh, a no. Four Horsemen? Okay, I didn't. Oh, I didn't think so. I felt like I was missing somebody. No, fourth spot kind of was a rotating spot after. Uh, after Ole Anderson, <laughs> yeah, retired oh, basically. <laughs> hey, I mean, Roma might have been the best in the Four Horsemen, but he had a, he Def- shined for a little bit there. The worst, the worst is yet to come. <laughs> I believe you. <laughs> Douglas continues saying the end of the line is near, and he believes the fans will hold up three fingers instead of four after the beating he is going to give Tully. I mean. It's- Shane Douglas promos are great, and this one is long, and it just piling up. I love that he said, you Pearl Harbored me. <laughs> I was like, hell yeah. It's funny, to, it's funny to hear a wrestler say that and not Pearl Monson say that, or somebody say that 
as a commentator in reference to Real Monsoon. We then go to our first match. Sabu and Taz with Paul E. Dangerously in 911 versus the public enemy of Rocco Rock and Johnny Grunge for the ECW World Tag Team Championships. Everybody is brawling as the bell rings with Taz and Rocco headed out to the floor. Sabu drives Grunge into the mat and follows up with a slingshot leg drop onto the apron and a split-legged moonsault back into the ring for a two count. (laughs) That apron uh, leg drop was just... No good for either man. <laughs> it's just like I don't know. You, I don't know how you protect yourself in that spot, man. That one's that one's just uh, like I hope. I hope we all land as as well as we can here. But that spot, I was like, Jesus, man! <laughs> it's been twenty <laughs> seconds, Sabu. Joey says Sabu is wrestling with an injured ankle as he heads up top for a moonsault, only for Rock to make the save. Yeah, not even to bring up his neck. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> it's, it, it can't be healed yet. Sabu flies out of the ring with a plancha to take out Johnny, while Taz hits a Tazplex on Rocco, making the cover, but the ref is distracted by the others, allowing Rock to get a foot on the ropes to break the count. Sabu gets a frying pan from the crowd, nailing Grunge across the face with it, while Taz and Rocco are out on the floor, where the maniac hits multiple chair shots, only for Rock to return the favor. With a kid snow shovel. <laughs> I mean, we're getting so like that... a tiny snow shovel. Yeah, yeah. Like one of the ones that folds up or whatever. All four men make their way into the crowd using brooms, chairs, frying pans, and trash cans as weapons. Until Johnny and Sabu make their way back into the ring where Grunge is working on the ankle. Taz and Rocco make their way back into the ring where everyone's still brawling when Taz is tossed back out to the floor... But Sabu fires up with a springboard moonsault on Public Enemy for a near fall. Grunge is busted open as Taz returns to hit a double Japanese arm drag on them, sending Public Enemy out to the floor to regroup. But Sabu flies through the ropes with a tope suicida, only to be caught and rammed into the ring post. Posted. Public Enemy goes after Taz inside the ring with chokes and stomps before tossing him to the floor where Johnny works him over while Sabu comes back in to hit a top rope moonsault on Rock for a two count. Taz rolls back in to toss Rocco out so that he and Sabu can double team grunge with a back body drop, followed by a Tazplex. Sabu then brings a table into the ring, and they set it up. Uh, do you think that the key, because this is really good, the, the key to a uh, ECW garbage match is just Sabu and then somebody that can suplex everybody because <laughs> it's like this is really good but it's but it's because that they're doing like big heavy wrestling moves in between the shovels and the trash cans if yeah. it's all shovels and trash cans then your eyes glaze over at some point you gotta you gotta pepper in some suplexes some moon salts some slingshot leg drops on the apron and then and then we're all in right <laughs> absolutely <laughs> yeah because i'm like man like this is this is good they s- Put Johnny onto the table, only for Rock to make the save by tossing Sabu out of the ring. But Taz drops Rocco with another Tazplex. Grunge is rolled out to the floor, only for Sabu to send him into the ring post. Posted. 911 then grabs Johnny and places him on a table that Sabu has set up on the floor. Boo, I've had enough of 911. I know everybody loves him. (laughs) 
Inside the ring, Taz has taken Rock up to the top rope for a superplex. But Rocco shoves the maniac off through the table in the ring, making the cover for the pin and the win. All while Sabu slingshot leg drops through Johnny on the outside. Post-match. 911 and Polly get in the ring to check on Taz, where 911 grabs the ref. When Rock comes in with a chair shot across 911's back, only to be no sold. 911 then choke slams Rocco before doing the same to the referee. Those those refs, man. I hope they got an extra twenty five bucks for Damn each man. choke slam. Some sort of hazard pay. Yeah, they are nine one one fodder. <laughs> we go to the back. Joey Styles is there with Paul E. Dangerously. And Paul says that public enemy is going straight to hell. Right where they came from. They are both going to go through tables, which is something Sabu is really good at. He is going to send the champions back to the hood, or they are going to jail, where people will call them bitch. I, I love that Paulie says he's like, OJ is uh, going to trial... Tracy Lords is going to Melrose Place, and Public Enemy is going to hell. <laughs> and it's like, a, I love it when they drop in some some current events, and ECW loves to do it. Tracy Lawrence is going to Melrose Place. I thought they said Tracy Lords. Oh, Lords. Okay. The that makes more sense. Yeah, yeah the Tracy fav- Lords did. Okay. Yeah. 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 Not yeah. Tracy she, Lords. She was Joe's roommate, I believe. Mm. Yeah. Sounds about right. crazy. Wanted to sleep with, I don't remember, probably Grant Show. I mostly know her with from, Billy. of course, the obvious thing that she made pornography when she was uh, underage. Don't look it up. And uh, if uh, and her being in Crybaby, that's how it's like. It's like the famous thing of ew, gross and illegal to oh, I love the movie Crybaby. Zach and Mary make porno. Oh yeah. She was on Roseanne. She made her rounds because uh, you know. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good for her for uh, you know spinning spinning the controversy into some uh, some sitcom cash mm-hmm. some some uh, Melrose Place money making that money because I'm sure she didn't get a ton of money for a John Waters movie <laughs> they're not particularly high budget probably not even Crybaby probably might be one of the ones with the higher budget but still <laughs> Joey then sends us to a video of Raven inside a classroom. Mm-hmm. Where he says that we spend our entire youth in a classroom just like this one. Childhood should be a world of bliss and knowledge. Unless you are a misfit and an outcast. Which makes it all a scare. You can try, but you never forget the horrors of the classroom. You can return to the classroom of your youth. But this time, Tommy Dreamer, you will not graduate. Quote the Raven. Nevermore. It was a hokey. And the chalkboard has I hate Tommy Dreamer. Yeah. Written yeah. all over it like Bart Simpson. Yes, yeah. exactly. I was like Bart style, because we all know that from you know, every single when I was a kid watching The Simpsons all the time, I always like I would could tell if I'd seen the episode before based on what was on the chalkboard. Yep. Because I was obsessed with it as a kid. So of course Bart Simpson comes to mind. And I will say, Raven is not as cool as Bart Simpson. He needs to lighten up. A little bit. <laughs> a little bit. A little serious. Uh, I'm worried that he's not going to anytime <laughs> soon. Yeah, well, uh, bring back... Or ever uh, again. Scotty, where's Scotty Flamingo? Uh, what was the other name? 
Polo. Johnny Polo. Johnny Polo. Polo. Wait, somebody, yeah. Somebody get this guy a snow cone. <laughs> so we're headed to our second match. Cactus Jack versus Sandman with Woman in a Falls Count Anywhere match. And Jack is headed to the ring with a trash can when Sandman comes out to meet him, only to receive a shot across the head and continuing to use the can several times before using a chair as well. Into the ring they go where Cactus Jack hits a body guillotine across the ropes for a two count, follows it up with a swinging neckbreaker for a near fall. Leg dropped by Jack and he goes to run the ropes, but Woman is there to crack him across the back with a kendo stick. So Cactus Jack rolls out to stalk her around ringside, allowing Sandman to attack from behind, only for him to be met with right hands, making a cover, which Woman breaks up with more cane shots. Crack and crack a jack. Sandman begins to work over Jack on the floor with chairs, soda cans, and trash cans. Back in the ring, Sandman hits a DDT onto a trash can before heading up top to hit a leg drop. But instead of making a cover, he heads up top again to deliver a face jam onto the trash can as well. I know. I was like, you can't go back up, Cactus. You can't go back up. And he, you know, he pulled, pulled it off. I was ready for something something not to not go his way. Totally did. Sandman thinks that was a cool move, so he tries it again. But Cactus Jack hits a low blow and uses a trash can across his head multiple times before punching him off to the floor. Jack continues the punishment with a cookie sheet, chokes him with a rubber snake, and a miniature guitar shot over the head for a two count. Oh yeah, I love the uh, Joey. He's like, oh, it's, you know, the snake of Jake the Snake, and you know that self <laughs> was planned. And it's like the, you know, the guitar of Wayne Ferris. Funny stuff. Who's Wayne Ferris? Uh, uh, Brutus the Barber Beef King. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. It's the honky tonk man. I love that Sandman is wrestling in a pair of, like, Jordan 10s. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Back Take the... that, Young Bucks. Right, he's with it. He's hip. Back in the ring, Cactus Jack punches a trash can into Sandman's face. But it hurts his hand as much as it does Sandman's head. Yeah. Both men make it to their feet, where Sandman works the hand with the trash can, before spiking him into the can with a pile driver. That'll do it. Jack avoids Sandman charging at him, sending Sandman out to the floor, where Cactus Jack comes off the apron with an elbow drop. For the pin, and, and the win. win. Post-match, Woman attacks Jack with the kendo stick, back in the ring. But he no-sells and allows Sandman to come from behind to use the kendo stick several times. Sandman then takes a lit cigarette and tries to poke it into Cactus Jack's eye. Oh my god! But he's blocked. <laughs> All of a sudden, Mikey Whipwreck runs out to save Jack. Mikey, Mikey. By whacking Sandman with a kendo stick of his own. Whack, whack. I mean, yeah. This was also very good. Cactus Jack blade did a blade job to his knuckles. No, he didn't. He didn't? It was actually bleeding? I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't sure, because I was like, that looks pretty clean. He did punch a trash can, but I can see Cactus Jack blading his knuckles, which is 
pretty funny. He's a pro like that. He yeah. leads at the right moment. Because mm-hmm. right he was selling his hand real good. Obviously, it probably uh, hurt if it, it drew blood. I mean, you know, years later, people remember him falling through the, the top of the cage, but what they remember even more is that tooth hanging out of his nostril. <laughs> yeah. He's a pro like that. Yeah. <laughs> we go to the back, and Joey's there with the Sandman. And he says, Cactus Jack, you want to go gut to gut, heart to heart? Insanity versus insanity. As he smashes himself over the head with the cane while smoking a cigarette. I'll take you on blow to blow, while woman will handle the mind versus mind. Woman then chimes in that she will turn Jack into Sandman. Turn you into him. Yeah, and it's funny. It's like, well, which one's more crazy? I'm pretty, <laughs> sure, pretty sure it's, it's Jack. Joey is then joined by Cactus Jack. And he says, inside my mind, there is a soft spot for the history of my life. That means you have a soft spot too, Sandman. Every action that the Sandman does, he is proud of. Because of who he is listening and learning from. Jack continues saying that he likes to win. And the gratification of having his hand raised. But now that Sandman has awoken a sleeping giant, he isn't going to be that man anymore. As of now, Cactus Jack doesn't care. His hand is a useless weapon. He's got his hand just shaking, making it look all contorted, but it's like more believable than you'd think. And we can take psychological warfare out of the equation. He tells Sandman that at one point he had guts. So Jack drops to his knees and challenges Sandman to a Texas death match. If Sandman can beat Cactus Jack... He will walk away with his head held low. Because at one point, his name meant something. Jack doesn't want to become a full-time father and husband. But he will. If he loses. Bang, bang! No one, two, three, baby. Texas death match. Sorry, kids. He doesn't want to be a full-time father. (laughs) (laughs) But he will if he has to. Mm -hmm. Yes, of course. And that was the end of the show. So, gentlemen, I ask you, what are your thoughts of ECW Hardcore TV? I mean, this is how you do a weekly television show. Yeah. You got great promos, two great angles, two solid, wildly entertaining matches. A great build-up. I'm not really counting the Ron Simmons thing. That was just like, you know, that's just to set up the promo. Yeah. Yeah. I know. We needed the image, good, but a good setup or build up, whatever you want to call it, a go, go home show before yeah. their. You understand their all next big show. Yeah, you understand yeah. everything between these two big matches, and these are two like you know of the marquee things. Yeah, so Shane Douglas, your champion. It's right. Cactus Jack, one of the big biggest stars in your company. He's yeah. got the name recognition from doing the wild shit in Japan. Uh, he was. Super over in WCW like a year and a half ago. Everything had a purpose. Everything was placed just right. Yeah, this yeah. Was a and the promos delivered. They gave him the time show. because they know the guys can promo. Promo work, pitch perfect, makes me excited for matches coming up. Like, if you tell me Tully Blanchard versus Shane Douglas, I'm just kind of like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> but that promo gets me excited for that match. Yeah, absolutely. The matches themselves, as you said while we were watching them, or as we were going over them, like, 
they did just enough in each of those matches that they, yes, they're brawls. Yeah, that's what, that's what ECW does. They're but they're brawls. but they're paced well, and they didn't outstay their welcome. Mm-hmm. That's exactly. They didn't overextend their welcome. It at was all. yeah. It wasn't like Public Enemy versus like the Pitbulls. It was Public Enemy versus like, and I think the Pitbulls can be good, but they are, don't have the energy or the move set that Taz and Sabu have. Absolutely. So you put in two guys, like two guys that'll that are willing to get hit by stuff, like Public Enemy, and that are over, and Rocco can somehow, I don't know how he does it with his size, uh, some some flippy stuff, but you got Taz, who can throw everybody around, and Sabu, who could have a match with himself. And has. We've seen, we've seen him land on his head. <laughs> Good, Where, where's the smart marks at? Alright, fuck you. I think it's time we smart it up. So what are your favorite moments of this show? Uh, in ring, the leg drop uh, onto the apron. The springboard leg drop onto the apron just was like, <gasps> like I gasped. And uh, Cactus Jack punching the trash can and then coming and then going, that should hurt me too. <laughs> yeah, him <laughs> selling it. it. Yeah, even Sabu sold his uh, ankle all right in um, at one point in the other uh, in their match. Yeah, but like between some of the. The fun spots, like Sandman the, whacking himself in the head with his kendo stick during his little promo at the yeah. end. There. Yeah, even Sandman's promo was better <laughs> than I expected. Yeah, I mean it's hard to it's hard to he's not it's not better than Shane Douglas or no. uh, Cactus Jacks, but those are two guys that that have that. No, Shane Douglas's promo. I mean, it was everything it needed to be, as far as setting the tone for. The upcoming match, yeah, maybe I mean, like I said, a little I, more interested. Would we care about a Shane Douglas Tully Blanchard match if without this promo? No, for me, it's just like an interest because we haven't seen Tully in a long time, and his heyday has been over. His heyday was before when there was only one pay per view a month, so we didn't see a whole lot of Tully Blanchard outside of like. A couple of starcades and the one year as the brainbusters, really. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of it, at least in my memory. There's the what is it? Him and it's Tully and Magnum in the cage I match. Quit, yeah, match. the I quit match. It's like yeah, that's an I, iconic match. But when I think of Tully Blanchard, that's the first thing I think of is that and the brainbusters. Yeah, that I mean his match versus Magnum, the brainbusters match versus the. Strike Force? Yes. Yeah. Old Tito and Martel. Yes, against Tito and Martel. Another team that broke up too soon. And then literally the next time that you I think of Tully is he showed up in AEW. And now you you now you'll think of this just because it was ECW and you'd be like, Remember that time Shane Douglas? Beat up on yeah, like Tully Blanchard. Yeah, cut a like um you know, you two faced religious old man promo on Tully Blanchard. <laughs> Anything disappointing on this show? I would go with no. It got in and out, and I everything was... Like I said, this is pitch-perfect TV. Whether you like ECW or not, you can't call this a bad episode of television wrestling, I don't no. think. I can't think of anything that, I'm, that I was disappointed with the show at all, either. No. Yeah. Like, it's just a good way to spend 40 minutes. There wasn't enough task plexes. Come on. And he still did like three, two or three. Exactly. Yeah, it's like yeah, that's a joke. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But I mean, we could always have more. I did notice that he's officially being called Taz now, and not the Taz yeah. Maniac. He even had Taz on his ass instead of. Yeah, it's like one of those things that it just 
Tasmaniac sounds cool, but it sounds more like goofy WWF. And then, of course, being, you know, Joey is going to eventually just shorten it because you're doing commentary by yourself. I am a real Tasmaniac. Yeah, and yelling Taz, Taz, Taz <laughs> is better than Tasmaniac. Like, too many syllables. Yeah. Best performer of the night. I mean, I think Shane he, Douglas in that promo. You got to give it to Cactus because he was Cactus, in the match yeah. and did the promo. Yeah, if you're gonna if you're gonna go uh, through the whole show, it's probably that. If you want to go strictly in ring, you could pick Taz, Sabu, like, Taz or Jack. Gonna be my guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm still like, yeah. So those guys, you can't you complain can, about. You guys can see why Taz is one of my favorites. <laughs> Just watching the show. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. He's he. Taz just keeps getting better. As 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 same with Sabu. Granted, I'm sure we'll see some more slop in the future. But no, I'm sure. Yeah, got to. Anything surprising? Triple threat. Yeah, I I didn't know they were a thing. So that, triple, that triple threat sticks me. around for a while. Not always the same people because people. Be- Go back to Japan, probably. In and out, you know. But well, hey, this this first glimpse at them as a uh, a nice trio of yeah, what a good like, what a good three guys standing next to each other. You know what I mean? Underrated faction that some people don't know about. Yeah, it's, it it reminds me a lot of the Dangerous Alliance. Like mm-hmm. Dangerous Alliance was a great faction back in WCW. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, but it was so underrated because people just. It was you ahead know, of its time. It was basically like, yeah. it was the replacement for the Four Horsemen, basically, but it was its own thing. Well, it's like those two years it or could so. Have been the NWO. It was like two, two and a half years before uh, Hogan shows up in WCW. There is not a whole lot of like consistent shows, but the highs on shows are incredibly high, and the Dangerous Alliance is a part of that. Yep. Your Rick Rudes and Steamboats. Your even. York Foundation singles matches like our high points here Austin's like there's so much good stuff and if I feel like they just could have put it together but you know we all know the history that's what we've talked about it enough but the Dangerous Lions of course but Triple Threat it's like those three names not everybody probably knows Shane Douglas but everybody knows who Dean Malenko and Chris Benoit are. And it's a shame that people don't know who back, Shane Douglas Shane is. Shane Douglas is probably the least known of those, those three, three. Absolutely. Which is but, a shame. But Shane Douglas is... He, he was the leader of the group and he's just as good. Yeah, he's not uh, as... He's not, he's, he's not like as... He's huh? Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. He's, not as, yeah, he's not as flashy um, as Benoit, but he's a better promo than Benoit and his style is more he was traditional. A good, he's a good mouthpiece for a faction. Oh yeah, and he's yeah. but his style is more traditional. Like I want to see a, a like a peak flair, like a flair Shane Douglas it flares like 89 peak. You know that match would have tore the house down. Yeah. But Shane Douglas wasn't a thing. And now for a look back even further into the history of wrestling. The dusty finish Hulk Hogan would meet the eighth wonder of the world at the main event on February 5th, 1988 in Indianapolis, Indiana. Using a Ted DiBiase plan for the original ref's twin brother to make a three count to win the WWF championship. 
Andre the Giant, born 1946 in France to Bulgarian and Polish immigrants. He would work his father's farm until he was 18, when he would move to Paris and begin to be taught by a local promoter. He would make his debut in 1966 and start making a name for himself throughout the world because of his size. Andre would debut in the WWWF in 1973, never being pinned for 15 years, leading up to WrestleMania 3. After Hogan was presented a trophy for being a three-year champion, the Giant would come out only to receive a much smaller trophy for his undefeated streak. This would upset Andre, and he would turn to Bobby Heenan for advice, which brought him to odds with Hulk. At WrestleMania 3, Hogan would defend his title by body slamming and pinning the Giant. Over the course of the next year, Andre would team up with the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, as his hired gun. After the match at the main event, the Giant would immediately give the title to DiBiase. Andre the Giant's legacy includes being the first person ever inducted into the WWF Hall of Fame, along with being in the Greatest 18 Club, International Pro Wrestling, Professional Wrestling, and Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fames. He has appeared in movies such as The Pr Princess Bride, Before His Death by Heart Failure in 1993. Even though Andre had handed the title to the Million Dollar Man, it was seen as a vacated title leading into WrestleMania 4, where a tournament would be held where 14 men would vie for the title. Next week... Double tables. Double tables. That that. It's two tables. Two tables. Is it a table like, on top of a table? Two, two tables side next side to each side. other. That. Hmm. It's got to be one or the other. We'll have I guess. to find out. <laughs> yeah. Double the tables. Double the fun. Double trouble. Man, double I dribble. That double uh, Dutch. <laughs> I didn't realize that DiBiase was already there for WrestleMania three. That was my takeaway from. Um, you know, our look back. I was like, "Oh yeah, like he was. It was pretty early. Yep, earlier than I thought for some reason. I don't know why. I guess because he had such a long tail, but the tail's not as impactful. That's why I guess they call it a tail. It gets smaller the longer it goes." <laughs> <laughs> Music from this week's show is "Sad but True" by Metallica and "Born to Be Wild" by Steppenwolf. You know, since Cactus Jack winner. Oh, yeah. Main event. Nice little duo of songs there. If you like this episode or any of our other ones, go out there, rate, and review us. Like Michael says. Five stars or no stars. You can do that on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts at. If you have any questions, comments, concerns. Recipes. Going back to Philly. What the fuck? You can always do those at WrestlingHistoryX at gmail.com. Or find us on Twitter at Wrestling HistoX. That's Wrestling H I S T O X. We'll talk to you next week. L -l 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 Later. That was like a Metallica inspiration. <laughs>